and Pam. Praise the Lord. It's a joy to see each one of you in the Lord's house here today. It's a joy to have many of you joining us online as well. I've just kind of been thinking about a little incident that happened uh, very recently when I went to a local hospital to see a patient. I went to the specific floor that I knew the patient was on, but just before going into the room, which was on my left, I thought I would just uh, check with the nurses at their desk, and I said, I said, hello, nurses. Uh, I'm Pastor Nick from the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. I'm, I'm Pastor Nick, and I just thought I would check his patient so-and-so still in such and such a room. And uh, the one nurse looked up at me and, and said, uh, what, uh, what kind of a pastor are you? <laughs> no kidding. And uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm a very normal pastor. <laughs> normal. I said, uh, you are a nurse? Are you a normal nurse? <laughs> I, I think the nurse beside her said, no, she's not normal. <laughs> anyway, I, I had some fun. I had some fun with the nurses there. Uh, usually when I'm in hospitals, it's a very serious situation because someone or several people are very ill. And of course, there are hundreds of other ill people in the hospital besides the one or the ones that I'm going to see. But anyway, sometimes... We can have some fun with the staff in the hospitals. Amen? All right. I'd like to invite you, please, to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. <clears throat> 26 at verse 36, so you can refer to some of the scriptures uh, as you wish. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 56, tells us of when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he was there praying. It was the night before the Friday when Jesus was crucified. And while Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, the Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 47, the word of God says, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a sword, with a crowd of men, and with swords and clubs. They arrived to arrest Jesus, obviously. And then Matthew 26, verse 48 says, The traitor, comma, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. And so they arrested Jesus. And verse 56 then says, All the disciples deserted him, that is, deserted Jesus and fled. We discover some very powerful lessons from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in two previous messages I shared with you some of those very important lessons. And just as a little recap, here are some of those truths that we focused on. One of those truths was this, if you can just show it on the screen, my friends. Jesus understands our emotional pain and can help us through it. Amen? 
And then the other truth that we focused on was this. Jesus inspires us to surrender to God's will even when we feel like asking God to spare us the hardship. And so we should ask ourselves, am I surrendering to God's will in whatever situation I experience or I face? Let's go to the other truth that we talked about. Jesus knows what it is like to have people let us down, even to desert us, and Jesus can help us. We spoke of that last week. If you are someone that you feel um, you're in a situation where a person or persons have deserted you, have really let you down, May the Lord help you to move forward, to move beyond. Let it be so. And then there was another truth we looked at, and it is this. Jesus models for us how at times we must choose to persevere in prayer so we can face what lies ahead. Jesus persevered in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there are times that you and I all of us have to persevere in prayer in regards to a family member that you want to see saved to come to faith and trust in Jesus. Or we must persevere in prayer for a physical or an emotional or a mental illness that one of our loved ones is facing, going through. Or persevere in prayer in regards to a financial need. There are all kinds of situations that we have to persevere through, don't we? Well, today now, in part three of this brief series, I, I come to this other beautiful truth. And the first truth in part three today is this. Jesus, Jesus' love and compassion for us is incredible. This comes out to me in, from what, what happened in the garden of Gethsemane. It comes out from verses, uh, well, from the whole passage, but especially from verses 50 to 52. Why don't you read uh, the, the, these verses with me, beginning at verse 50. Read it out loud from the screen. Jesus said, my friend, pause right there. Jesus now is speaking to whom? To Judas, the betrayer. He's speaking to Judas, the betrayer, and, and how incredible it is to me, how incredible it is that Jesus says, my, my friend. He doesn't, he doesn't say, my terrible enemy. He doesn't say, you creep. He doesn't say, you worthless piece of garbage. He doesn't say that. Or whatever else, Bobita. I am deeply touched. Are you? The fact that he, he says to Judas, my, my friend. Huh. My friend. Wow. And so he says, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. 
Then the others grabbed Jesus, go ahead and read with me, and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. And so once again, we see there, we see Jesus' love. One of his disciples grabbed a sword, sliced off the ear of a dear man. And Jesus says to him, no, no, put away, put away that sword. This is not how I want us to react. We see Jesus' love in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. If you want to read it with me, verses 50 and 51, where it says, And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he, Jesus, touched the man's ear and healed him. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus touched the man's ear and healed him. And the Bible verse which tells us as to who sliced off the man's ear is recorded in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 10, where it says, Then Simon Peter drew a sword. Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. I want you to think about it. At a time when Jesus was mistreated, at a time when he was mocked, at a time when he was arrested, we see the incredible love of Jesus oozing out of his heart. Amen? We see the big difference, don't we? We see the big difference between Peter and Jesus. Peter thought the road to victory was a sword. Jesus' plan for victory was love. Is your, is your plan for victory a sword? Or is your plan for victory love? Ultimately, Jesus showed his greatest love for us on the cross of Calvary because in the book of Romans, Romans 5, verse 8, it tells us, read it with me, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Amen. The hymn writer Ben Waits caught this truth beautifully when he wrote, when he wrote in the chorus, such love 
such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love, that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful, how wonderful is love like this. Amen? As we see Jesus showing his incredible love in the Garden of Gethsemane to a human being named Malchus, M-A-L-C-H-U-S, I thought of how Malchus represents, represents you and you and, and you and you folks up in the balcony and, and Malchus represents you radio listeners and Malchus represents you online viewers. In the good times of life, your life, and in the difficult times of your life, May you be encouraged and comforted by the overwhelming love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Today, we will be serving communion, the Lord's Supper. I invite you to be prepared in your mind and heart to say, Lord, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your everlasting love. Thank you, Lord, for your love that caused you to step down from heaven to come to earth in the person of Jesus and to be crucified on the cross to pay the price for my sins and for your sins. Such love, such wondrous love. Amen? Reflect on that marvelous love. Let me take you now to a second significant truth from the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to be honest with you and, and tell you that this second truth never occurred to me in all my years of ministry until recently when I was preparing for this message. I'll be interested to know from any of you here today after church if, if this truth has ever occurred to you. Tell, tell me, I'll be interested to know. Some of you think of different truths even more than I do on occasion. and I'll just be interested to know if any of you thought about this, this truth. And here it is, here it is. Truth number two today. Jesus shows us that sometimes our initial reaction to a situation is not what the Lord wants. Say it with me. Jesus shows us that sometimes our initial reaction to a situation is not what the Lord wants. Where do I see that? Where do I get that from? Here's where. Look at verse 51, 52. But one of the men, Peter of course, with Jesus 
pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, sloshing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Obviously, Peter's initial reaction when the men went to arrest Jesus was, was to fight back, to become violent. And Peter meant well. So often we all mean well, don't we? Peter meant well, but obviously that is not, that is not what Jesus wanted. What are some initial reactions that people sometimes have which are often not what the Lord wants to see? As we just saw with Peter slicing off a man's ear, sometimes the initial reaction is violence. Look at, look at what our Holy Bible says about violence. Read out loud with me uh, Psalm 11, verse 5. Psalm 11, ver verse 5. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He hates those who love violence. Here's another initial reaction that happens with a lot of us. Anger. Anger. Psalm 37, verse 8 says, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. I've observed over the years that some, some people tend to think that losing your temper just shows what a man you are. What a, what a man, real man you are. What a real woman you are. No, it doesn't do that at all. All of us know that all too often anger can lead to violence can lead to violence. Get this. Since the start of this year, 2023, I looked up these statistics. Since the start of this year, of 2023, the United States, the United States has averaged more than one mass shooting per day According to the Gun Violence Archive, which is a nonprofit group that tracks gun violence, the Gun Violence Archive defines a mass shooting as an event in which at least four people are killed or injured. The Gun Violence Archive recorded, recorded 647 mass shootings in the United States last year in 2022. And compared to this time last year, mass shootings in 2023 are, out, are outpacing last year's rate in the United States. 
I read that report and thought, how terrible. How terrible. And despite, despite these scary facts, as most of you probably know, in the United States, as long as a person is 18 years or older, they can go into a store and buy a gun, a rifle, a semi-automatic machine gun, or a military-style assault weapon. And it is crazy. It is crazy that anyone can go and buy dangerous weapons like that. It just doesn't make sense. The, the good news is, the good news is that uh, this past year in Canada, in Canada, our Canadian government passed some more very strict laws to help prevent mass shootings. That's the good news. We're not perf perfect in Canada by any means. But the, the really bad news is, in the United States, too many politicians and too many average people continue to say that the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution gives Americans the right to bear arms. And about a third of all U.S. adults in the U.S. say that they personally own a gun of one kind or another. My friends, I want, I want to encourage Canadians and Americans to vote, to vote for politicians who are willing, willing to get rid of guns and rifles and assault rifles of all kinds. Amen? Yes, go ahead. We have some wonderful viewers in the United States. And to you, dear viewers in the United States, I say to you, when you have opportunity to go to elections and do your voting, vote for candidates who are determined to put an end to this stupidity of allowing 18, 19, 20-year-olds, any age, to buy military machine guns that no one in the world in any civilized society needs. It's crazy. In some ways, in some ways, Canadians and Americans are, 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 are so advanced, and in other ways, so primitive. You know what I mean? It's, it's just crazy. In our society, when, when, when people get angry, sometimes this initial reaction, reaction is violence with guns or assault rifles. I repeatedly have some of you phoning me or, or sending me text messages or dropping into the church and, and saying, Pastor Nick, did you hear there was another, another mass shooting in that place or that place and that place? My mother, my mother who watches the news, my mother says to me, Nicole, what, why do these people shoot so many people? Like, why, 
why does this happen? And I, and I tr have to try to explain to my mother it's because of, of stupidity and stupid decisions on a political level that allows people to buy unnecessary, unneeded machine guns or assault, assault rifles. The less access people have to dangerous weapons, the less likelihood of mass shootings, whether it is in the United States or Canada or anywhere in the world. Gun violence is obviously a very serious matter, but there are other, other forms of violence that should not be tolerated. Let me ask this. I'm not trying to be negative, but there are times I have to ask soul-searching questions. Because as a pastor of many years, I know what happens behind the scenes too often. And so I ask this question. Are you violent? Are you violent towards your wife or towards your husband? Listen, sometimes women can be violent towards their husbands. Some of you don't know that. Are you violent towards your children or your parents? If so, if so, it, it, it needs to stop. It, it needs to stop. Stop. Stop abusing. Stop abusing your wife or husband. Stop abusing your children. Stop abusing your elderly parents. Stop making excuses for your behavior or eventually you will be going to jail. Some of you are thinking, praise God, praise God, violence is not a problem for me. And that's what we like to hear, right? That's good. We don't want violence to be a problem. It shouldn't be. The Lord, the Lord by his spirit, the Lord by his spirit is able to help us. The Lord by his Holy Spirit is able to, to give us victory over inclinations in our mind and heart that are not godly, that are not holy, that are not from him. And you can reach out, you and I can reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I need, I need victory in this area of my life. What, a, what about some other types some other types of initial reactions which the Lord doesn't want to see happen. Obviously in the Garden of Gethsemane, we saw that Peter's initial reaction was one of violence. What are some other kinds of initial reactions that are maybe more simple, if I can put it that way? What about swearing? Swearing. Colossians 3, verse 8 says, 
But now, now is the time to get rid, to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now's the time to get rid of dirty language. Sometimes I've heard, I've heard swearing in the vocabulary of some Christians, and I think, wait a minute, what? whoa, 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 this is not right. That's, this isn't how God wants us to, to speak. Swearing shouldn't be a part of a Christian's vocabulary. And the Holy Spirit can give a person victory over swearing. The Holy Spirit, who is able to change us on the inside, change our hearts and change our minds, can bring about victory over Swearing. What about, what about being judgmental and critical? Sometimes being judgmental and critical is an initial response from people. Of course, not, not you. Not you, but we're talking about other people, right? Not you, but other, other people. Listen to what Jesus says about being judgmental and critical in the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1 and following. Here's what it says. What Jesus says. In my Bible here, it's in red letters, meaning these are spoken words of Jesus. And he says, do not judge, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. Uh, pause there. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I, th I think, not sure, but I think the Living Bible actually says uh, you have a telephone pole in your eye. <laughs> if, if you have a Living Bible, let me know, would you? All right. Um, verse 7 says, And why worry? Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, <clears throat> let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log or the telephone pole in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Wow. Wow. I'm not sure, my friends. I, I can't explain it. And we have to be careful not to blame everything on COVID. All right? So, you know, I, I find people blame a lot of things, either on COVID or, or the earth, the, you know, climate change and all that. All right. I, I, I'm not sure why, but, but in recent years it seems... Like more and more people have become more judgmental and critical. 
And all of us have to watch it. And to be honest with you, occasionally I have to check myself as well. So I'm speaking to Pastor Nick as well. Uh, for example, <clears throat> a few years ago, I met one of my wonderful neighbors and I discovered that he was just a, a marvelous, marvelous Christian gentleman who attended another conservative, Bible-believing church. And I was so happy to meet him and his wife. And then, then one, uh, one day, one day I, I saw some empty whiskey bottles and beer bottles and wine bottles in front of his door. A lot of them. And I was shocked. I was shocked and I, I thought, what, what, what's going on? Uh, does this Christian brother have an alcohol problem? Those bottles disappeared. But a few days later, once again, I saw a collection of alcohol bottles in front of the door. And I, and I thought, man, how can any couple drink so much alcohol? That's what I thought. And once again, the bottles disappeared. About a week later, a bunch of different alcohol bottles appeared at his door, and I thought, wow, this dear brother has a real problem with booze. I'm going to have to talk to him about it. In my brain, in my brain, I started to become judgmental and, and critical. Then when all of these empty alcoholic bottles were at his door, one day I, I, saw, I saw another, another neighbor stop off at his door and this other neighbor left some more alcoholic bottles at the door. I scratched my head and wondered what in the world was going on. The next time I crossed paths with my beloved neighbor, who often had these empty alcoholic bottles at his door, I kindly walked up to him and politely said, Brother, for several weeks, I have seen these empty alcoholic bottles at your door. And, uh, and then I saw one of our other neighbors leave some empty bottles at your door, added to your collection. And I said, I, I, I'm honestly puzzled and baffled as to what is going on. I had no clue. And then he solved the mystery for me. He told me, some of you probably know what was happening. He told me of how he had asked, he had asked many of the neighbors to drop off, to drop off empty alcoholic bottles. And he told me of how once he had a car truckload of empty bottles, he took them to the beer store 
and got a substantial refund on the empty bottles. Did you know you can do that? I hope you didn't know that you could do that. <laughs> I, I know you only know it because someone else told you. That's why, right? And he told me, he told me of, of, of how the, pre, the previous year he had earned, he had earned Hundreds of dollars. It was a lot. I can't remember how much, but man, when he told me how much, I thought, you're kidding. Like, it was hundreds. It was a lot. He then told me, he then told me that he gives the money to a worthy charity. Isn't that wonderful, Pastor Lisa? He collects the bottles to be a blessing to a charity. And here, in my mind, <laughs> I, I had started to be somewhat judgmental and critical, although I had not expressed my thoughts to anyone. I can't remember if maybe I said to my wife, I don't know, I don't know, if, maybe I said to my wife, Cindy, what in the world is maybe happening with that neighbor? Then when I got the full story, that got the full story, I was deeply touched by the fact that he was regularly collecting empty bottles to be a blessing to a charity. My friends, it is good for all of us to get the full story. It is good for all of us to get the full story before we become judgmental and critical. Amen? Amen? All right. Here is something else the Lord, the Lord doesn't want. He doesn't want any of us being, being verbally abusive. All right, go ahead and put that next one up, guys. Being verbally abusive and bullying and being disrespectful towards others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says... Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Is everything you and I say good and helpful so that our words are an encouragement to those who hear them? Amen. Think about this other one. Sometimes our initial reaction is, God, I, I can't do what, what you are asking me to do. There are times when that's our initial reaction, you know. God, I can't do what you are asking me to do. Technicians, show, 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 the, show us the verses if you haven't already done so. In Ephesians, or rather Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. God says, read the verses with me. God says, Now go, for I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. Isn't that beautiful? Who am I? 
Moses was saying, listen, I can't do this job. I can't, I can't lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. No way. God says to him, I will be with you. There will be times in your life and mine when God will direct you or will ask you to do something. And your initial response might be, like, like Moses, God, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Be open. Be open to God's Holy Spirit who will say to you, I will, I will be with you. And I will empower you to do what I am asking you to do. Amen? I will help you, saith the Lord. And then sometimes, sometimes our initial reaction, our initial reaction is, is to run away from God, to run away from the Lord and to be disobedient. Jonah, in the Bible, ran away from God, right? Jonah ran away. Let's read these Bible verses together in unison. Read them, would you? The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. But Jonah got up and went. Where? In the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. My friends, when we run from God, we can end up getting into a lot of trouble. Jonah ended up being thrown overboard into the stormy sea. Jonah was swallowed up by a great fish. Miraculously, the Bible says, Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I imagine he must have really smelled a whole lot, eh? After three days in the belly of the fish. Eventually, eventually, eventually Jonah stopped running away from God and he chose to do what God wanted him to do. Question. Have you been running away from God? Stop. Stop your running away. Don't run from God. Instead, run to God. Jesus says to all of us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. When we run to the Lord and we open the door, he comes in. Let Jesus by his spirit come into your heart and your life. Don't run away from God. Run to him. 
Remember the first point I shared with you today. Jesus' love and compassion for you is incredible. May his love and compassion invite you and encourage you to run to him. For he loves you. Today can be the day when you run to God and you dedicate your life to him. I want to invite you to bow your head with me. And if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, I want to invite you to to pray it. To pray it after me, right where you are. Just, Just pray it. But only pray it if it's sincerely what you mean. Don't don't pray it because Pastor Nick is asking you to. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me, for loving each one of us. We see your incredible love displayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, your love draws me, draws me to you. And dear God, for whatever reasons, for whatever reasons I've I've been running away from you, I've wandered away or I have run away, or I've just kind of stumbled away from you. And it's, it's not right. And today I want to make things right with you. And so, Lord, I ask you, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm grateful to know I can be forgiven because you, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And so I receive your forgiveness by faith. And Lord, I want to open up the door of my heart and my life. And I want you, I want you to really become a part of me. I want you to enter into my heart, into my life, Come, come, Lord, and make me and mold me. Turn me into the man, woman, the teenager, the person, the child that you want me to be, to become. Lord, begin your construction project in me. And because of you being with me and in me, I believe, Lord, that you will help me to have the right, the right initial reaction to so many different situations in life. I may not always be perfect, but I believe, Lord, that through the work and through the help of your Holy Spirit, I can, I can react in love instead of in hate. I can react in love 
instead of being judgmental and critical. I can react with patience and perseverance instead of being a pain. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. I give myself to you and I say thank you, Lord, for what you are going to make me to become for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you, my friends, to stand. I invite you to to stand. And as we sing this beautiful song, if some of you want to come and spend a few moments in prayer at the altar, kneeling or standing, you can do that. You can come. Maybe you're, you're one of those individuals that today is saying, Lord, your love draws me to you. And I come in faith and I open up my heart and life to you. You can come. Maybe you're someone that has often run into problems because your initial reaction, your initial reaction maybe has been extreme anger or violence or severe criticism and whatever. And you need the Lord's help to experience victory over that. You feel free to come. And some of you, some of you are very burdened because of, of a health, of a health need or the health need of a family member. You feel free to come because remember the Lord loves you and is concerned for that loved one in your heart and your life. So you feel free to come as we sing. Musicians, let us sing, please.